Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fluid Fan Podcast, brought to you by Sports Innovation Lab. As always, I am your host, Angela Ruggiero, four-time Olympian in the sport of ice hockey, particularly relevant with today's guests, and CEO of Sports Innovation Lab. At Sports Innovation Lab, our mission, for those of you that don't know, is to empower sports brands to create breakthrough fan experiences through technology. We use software, our team of analysts, strategists, and we're really at the end of the day trying to inspire and lead brands towards capturing the fluid fan. So fluid fan is the focus of this podcast. We talk about what does that next generation want? What does this fluid fan want? Break that down in in bite-sized chunks through the lens of leaders. And one leader I'm particularly excited to have on today is a member of our Next Generation Sponsorship Leadership Board. She is the highest ranking woman at the NHL, my favorite sport, obviously, one of my favorite people, Heidi Browning, the Chief Marketing Officer of the NHL. I'm so excited to have Heidi on the show today, where we'll be discussing innovative sponsorships in the league, what they're doing to create new fan experiences and and fan engagement. And what's particularly relevant is Heidi's background prior to the NHL, prior to the the sports world, where she comes from a marketing and analytics background, having spent time at MySpace, Pandora, among others. And that's really interesting to me because, again, at Sports Innovation Lab, we talk a lot about what are other industries doing? How are they facing disruption? How are they facing change? What are the ways that they're better understanding their customer, their fan at the end of the day? So we'll dive a bit into Heidi's background more than than my usual guest and get her unique insights on how she leveraged data, what are the kinds of analytical tools that the music industry in particular was using and MySpace was using to better understand that consumer. And therefore, what is she doing now? What is the league doing now in regard to social analytics and other other mechanisms that allow her to reach a new diverse and younger set of hockey fans? So I hope she crushes it in the hockey world. Join me in welcoming Heidi Browning, the CMO of the National Hockey League to the Fluid Fan Podcast. All right, welcome to the show. Heidi Browning, Executive Vice President, Chief Marketing Officer of the NFL, one of my favorite people in the world. So excited that you are a guest on the Fluid Fan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And you're one of my favorite people in the whole world. <laughs> it's going to be an awesome podcast. Uh, I'm so excited. You have such an interesting background. You come with so much experience and enthusiasm into the space. And you happen to work in my favorite sport. So, I mean, you've, you've got the perfect combination, Heidi. <laughs> so we're going to walk through on the Fluid Fan. We talk, obviously, about innovation. We talk about technology. We talk about, obviously, sport. What's that combination? What's that future look like? I'm really honor to have you on today because you have such a fascinating background to me because you bring digital consumer trends, technology outside of sports. Tell us about your digital experience, what companies you've worked for and and really what you hope to bring and are currently bringing to the NHL and, and the sports landscape in general. Thank you, Angela. Well, one, I was fortunate to work in one of the first advertising agencies, digital advertising agencies back in the go-go days, back when the <laughs> digital was just starting to become a thing. And that was an incredible experience. I had already had 10 years of marketing experience under my belt at the time. And I met with the CEO of this agency and he said, do you want to come work with us? And I said, yeah, I would love to have a job, but there's only one problem. I don't know anything about digital. And he said, hey, nobody knows anything about 
about digital at this point, but you know marketing. And if you can apply marketing to digital, the rest will come. And mm. that was the moment that I fell in absolute love with digital marketing. When I could understand the power of one-to-one communications digitally, I could understand who was interacting with our advertising. I could actually measure uh, return on investment. So, and these were in the early, early days of digital. And now of course, technology has gotten so much more sophisticated that what was really a panacea back in you know the early 2000s is now really everyday practice in marketing. But I'd say I have like really two key experiences in my career that have really shaped everything that I do as well as the insights that I've brought to the league here. The first was at MySpace. I don't know if you remember MySpace, but- um, I had an account, so thank you for that. <laughs> Great. MySpace was fantastic. It was really about doing the business school of life at that time because it was such a phenomenon around the world. It was growing faster than DoubleClick or the ad server that could deliver. We were breaking DoubleClick because so many people were coming on and engaging, et cetera. And we had the opportunity once News Corp bought it to come in and really help think through what are the ad products, what is the marketing, what is the value proposition. And that was a really key moment in time for marketing because what we did at MySpace changed marketing forever. What social media has brought to the table has changed the way we market forever. So when you think about it, this was the first time that consumers actually had the power of creation and the power of distribution in their hands. iPhones were coming of age and now you had these platforms with audience that you could find and it disrupted the entire way that media and brands and consumers engage with each other. Yeah, tell me about that, Heidi, because I read that when you were with MySpace News Corp, you actually led a study that no one had ever seen before, this in-depth consumer segmentation. And I wanted to just pause if the listeners didn't get that. This is back in what, 2005, 2006? I mean, this is before anyone is really thinking about how do we think about this next generation consumer and what they're doing online? Exactly. So I'm happy to share details about that study. It was called Never Ending Friending. And just to put us into context, Facebook was just a university platform at that time. It was not uncloaked for all consumers to use. So MySpace was really the dominant social network out there. And what brands were struggling with is like, what is their role within the social media network? And what we were hearing from millennials, they were the, you know, the first generation of millennials was that, you know, they wanted to have a two-way dialogue with brands. They all of a sudden, not only were creators and distributors, but they had a voice and they expected Mm -hmm. to be heard and they would carry on and shape their identity by adopting aspects of different brands. And so what we wanted to understand was what is the power of that association between a brand and a consumer when you start to talk about that within your friend groups? And then does that actually move the needle on people's intent to buy that brand or use that brand down the line? So we did a quantitative study to just understand sort of who's on social media, what what are they doing? Why do they do it? When do they do it? How does it make them feel? All that good stuff. And then we did an, a qualitative study to get some more you know, focus group feedback on it. And then we complemented it with an ROI study that was measuring the person-to-person impact as people are exposed to the viral impact of social media. Mm. And it was an incredible opportunity for us all to learn. And you know, it was a moment when we were shaping what the narrative means around 
what it means to friend a brand, what it means to have a conversation. What does user-generated content mean? We were doing some of the first user-generated content contests at that time. And that was at a time when legal teams didn't know what to do with it, right? Because you've got people submitting photos or songs with different friends. And this was all public consumption. And so the whole ecosystem of our industry had to adjust to this new opportunity and power that had shifted into consumers' hands. That's super interesting. Again, a lot of what we talk about with the fluid fan is exactly what you were seeing through your study, which I was fascinated because this was before anyone was thinking about really how to look at users, how you're empowering them to create and share, build and maintain relationships using technology to enable people to interact and engage with one another. And, and you guys obviously did that well at MySpace through this study. What was your next move in terms of your career shift? You know, I want to highlight Pandora because obviously everyone knows Pandora as well. And, and that was what preceded your role at the NHL. So MySpace, the key takeaway from that was really the, the shift in marketing and the power of listening. And I know it sounds basic and something that we all do, but you cannot stop listening to your consumers or to your fans. So that was one principle that we brought. When I got to Pandora, which was one of my favorite companies ever because they are the pioneers in personalization. The key insight I bring with me from there is that power of data-driven personalization. Pandora had an incredibly sophisticated data set and data science practice behind it. When you were able to access the music for free, you just provided your, your name, your zip code, your age, and your gender. And from there, the music was free. So we started with this data set. Then as Pandora grew, and started to integrate into the internet of things, into cars, into technology, into home, we were able to connect it back to that single person. Mm -hmm. And the feedback that you gave to Pandora, you know, thumbing up a song or thumbing down a song or skipping a song, all of those signals were how each and every playlist was personalized. So Angela, you and I could have a playlist that starts from the same song, but have completely different experiences based on on the kind of feedback and the listening behavior we had. Pandora got so sophisticated with data science that they were able to even run predictive models around if you were likely to churn, if you just, you know, what are the key activities that you need to do to be hooked into Pandora for a long period of time? Uh, we could even look at what ad tolerance was. If you were a person who would set it and forget it, maybe you would get an ad a little earlier. If you were somebody who skipped around to find the right song, maybe you get an advertisement a little bit later in your experience or if you were in a Sonos versus on a mobile device. So all of this ad science, all of these insights powered such ability to know our fans, our listeners is what we called them at Pandora. And that helped shape our marketing, it shaped our monetization strategy and that power of personal connection that we had. That was really a key principle of Pandora. And we, as a company. We're committed to the power of personal. In fact, we do monthly all hands meetings with the whole company all across the United States. And every meeting was ended with personal letters that would come from our listeners to remind us why we were there, why we worked so hard every single day. And there's so many poignant stories about, you know, people who were feeling low and, and how music brought them, you know, how Pandora brought them back or, you know, people who were trying to lose weight or who were sick or, 
you know, or having memories about their, you know, family that had passed. There's just so many powerful emotional stories that, that music brings to life that that is what I think is a connective tissue with sports, the power of sport to connect us around the globe, to connect us across generation, to connect us across geography. Both music and sport have that. I love it. And rightfully so, you were named one of the most powerful women in music by Billboard, Adweek's most powerful women in sport. People are recognizing this, Gary Bettman in particular, bringing you on as one of the, the most senior women in all of sport now as the CMO of the NHL. So you're at the NHL. You obviously are bringing these insights of the power of listening, the power of personal to helping the NHL evolve and, and reach this next generation fluid fan. Tell us about your thinking early on at the NHL and what you had hoped to bring to the table in terms of a very different way to think about fans and a very different way to think about actually connecting this power of sport to what's possible within the digital world. So tapping back into listening and the power of personal, the first observation coming into the sport is that we do an incredible job of serving our avid fans. We have one of the most tribal and passionate fan bases in all sport, which I'm sure that you can attest to. The idea was, how do we learn more about growing our audience? Not only growing among casual fans, but making sure that we are and stay relevant for younger fans. So the first thing that we did was run focus groups among casual fans, casual hockey fans, but sports fans. And we had millennials in one group and Gen Z in another, and we ran them all over North America. And what was interesting about these focus groups is that sports have become the equivalent of culture, right? Sports are culture creators, culture comes from sports and is reflected through our sport and our athletes. And so sports fans are so savvy, especially these young Gen Z and millennial and fluid fans are so savvy about the expectations they have around relationships mm -hmm. uh, with athletes, with teams and with leagues. And that was what was so fascinating because when you look at the global landscape, there are over 700 million sports fans on Facebook alone, not to mention Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, et cetera. But if you just took the audience size of Facebook and you look at the accounts they follow, the majority of accounts that are followed are athlete accounts, followed then by clubs and then by the league. And as we started to talk with our fans about, you know, the importance of having that one-to-one -one connection with athletes in general, they really want to know, you know, everything about this idea of progression. How do athletes get to be where they are? What do they do? How do they train? What do they eat? Etc. They want to know what they wear, you know, what, what music do they listen to? You know, what's their fashion interest? And, and really kind of taking on that identity of an athlete as their own, right? It mm -hmm. helps their own persona and their identity there. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that these generations will actually follow athletes of sports they don't even watch because they're so interested or that athlete is so interesting. One of the key pillars of the fluid fan, you follow the athlete, not necessarily the league or the team, which is very different than 
the historical diehard fan. Exactly. It's, it's really changing how we think about everything. And what we learned from the league perspective is that, you know, hockey players, they are some of the best athletes in the world, but they're quiet off ice. Mm-hmm. And that is really one of um, hockey's, you know, cultural aspects is that we're a very humble sport. We play for the name on the front of the sweater, not the name on the back. You sound like my coach. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and all the coaches, I mean, that is yeah. how it works, right? It's a yeah. team sport. You work in your line. So and- let me ask that. So I'm, so I, obviously I played hockey for four Olympics and I get the culture it's really hard to break that. That is the culture of hockey where you play for the front, not the back. It's about team. It's about performing as a group, but yet fans want to follow individuals. And your job, Heidi, is to ensure that the fans can do that effectively where you're elevating some or highlighting others. And there's this you know, cultural tension within some of the initiatives that you're trying to do. Have you seen that? Or do you see the opposite where these players are saying, Give me the tools. And I know you, you've had a, some really interesting initiatives recently to give players more voice, more opportunity to shine on who they are, to allow these fans to actually understand sort of the behind the scenes look at, at, at their personalities. Yeah, you know, it's really a mix of, you know, we have the whole range of players, some who are really leaning in like P.K. Subban, who is, has embraced social media. He's really built his brand around, you know, three core tenants. It's around his game on the ice. It's around his charity or community contributions and then fashion. And there's many, many other players who are looking at how they can shape and, and build their brands on ice. But honestly, it is a culture shift and we've been working to educate at every level of our ecosystem about the importance and the power of social media and why it's so important to the fandom, why it's important to our players, not only for their growth and connection with fans, but for their you know life off the ice and their life after NHL. And we've worked with the owners, the GMs, the coaches, the players themselves, the PA, all of the clubs. And it's going to take time because what we want to do is we we don't want to become the NBA right we because hockey does have something special about our sport being team oriented but there's a way to use social media in a way that helps support the team where you can showcase your personality but also be part of your line and we've been working really hard to to evolve our voice as a brand uh, with the NHL on social media so a lot of our social media content out there was really driven toward that avid fan it was you know the stats the facts the history the tradition the everything that people love and talk about with hockey, but we wanted to add some more of those personality, try to peel back the visor, um, really get to know what's special about our, our players and really encourage not only the league and the clubs to tell these stories, but also the players themselves. So and- talk me through um, Open Doors is one of the partnerships that you've created that gives the athletes more of this platform and enables them to have that voice and connect to the fans. Before even getting to the partnership, we've been capturing a lot of different forms of content mm. uh, with our players. You know, some of them are personality pieces that we capture, like what's in the box. We just recently did a whole series on hockey magic where we had Justin Flom, who's a huge hockey fan, by the way, come in and customize all of his illusions. So go check that out on uh, YouTube and or Instagram TV, Facebook. Those are really great stories, but it gets to 
show the faces of our players and the personalities mm -hmm. of our players. We have lots and lots of content around that. We've been doing fan contests so that fans are voting for the best player content out there. So the idea is rewarding the players who are active on social media with that fan reward and kind of bringing their experiences to life. But one of the things that we've found in our education process over the years is that the athletes are busy. Sometimes it's hard to think about what you want to post or do you have the right Getty image or the right content to post. It's sometimes it's hard to think about what you want to say. We have a lot of our players are English is not their first language. So we have a lot of foreign speakers. So we wanted to provide a tool that would easily enable the league and the clubs to ship content that we've been able to capture of the players on ice and off ice that they can easily take and post to their channels. Mm -hmm. So it's just taking, you know, some of the, the time suck out of social media and really enabling them to be able to do more online. And we are in highly encouraged by what we've seen so far. We had a lot of players participating this season. We have over 150 signed up on Open Doors and we have even more players who are posting on their own without Open Doors. So we've seen such an uptick. We believe that this is a momentum that's going to continue to build throughout the years to come. So you're, you're listening to your fans, you're creating all kinds of initiatives like the power players where you've got these 13 to 17 year olds you're talking to, you're creating ways to really pull out and leverage your prior experience. You're empowering the athletes themselves to get out there, get their voices heard, share their personality. And which I love, Heidi, is you're thinking about expanding the demographics of hockey fans themselves. We brought in Snoop Dogg, you know, I wanted to talk about Snoop Dogg because I, <laughs> At the All-Star Game, at, what, three years ago, I think, uh, where we first met, you had him perform, and now you've, you've really gotten him involved. So you're doing a number of things to shift how fans see the NHL, how players can actually put themselves out there, connect more with the fans, and bring more of a diverse fan base to the table. Walk us through, particularly on the diversity side, because I love that, you know, can we get more women involved? Can we get more socioeconomic groups Hockey's for everyone. We hear that everywhere. Tell me about the league's initiatives there. Maybe that's Kim Davis and others' responsibility, but you're the one that at the end of the day has to create some of these initiatives to actually allow that to come to fruition. So when you look at the next generation of fans, we are about to be in a generation that is the majority is non-white. I think by 2024, the Census Bureau predicts that the majority of the population will be non-white. That's a seminal shift. And when, throughout all my career studying generations and studying these younger generations is really fascinating because Gen Z take great pride in being um, multi-ethnicities. And in fact, when they go, when you go through and screen for focus groups, they actually check multiple ethnicities as who they are and how it shapes their identity. And it's so important for us to embrace and celebrate this in the generation because if we reward them with our knowledge and attention and personalization around what's important to them, they'll reward us with their attention. And as we looked at what were the barriers to watching more hockey for these generations and you know, getting more involved in hockey, it was really about how can we bring those casual fans into becoming these 
active rabid fans. So they had this idea that respect and admire this passionate fan base that we have, but they're a little intimidated by it. And they're intimidated by their friends who know all the history and traditions and, you know, all the stats that go with hockey. And we're afraid to ask about strategies, et cetera, um, because they don't want to look silly or stupid in front of their friends. So we saw this as an opportunity to educate by tapping into cultural icons, which is where Snoop comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, infusing a little culture into hockey and a little hockey into culture. Culture. Snoop happens to be a huge hockey fan. And we recorded a series where he did a deep dive into traditions, history, slang. He explained, you know, all the rules. We have a whole series on icing on, uh, you know, which is, which is fantastic, by the way, if anyone hasn't seen it, where can they find that? Can they go right on to the NHL? To YouTube. Yeah. YouTube, it's, it's on our YouTube channel. That's where you can find all of the, the great stuff, the skates off episodes that we're doing too, to showcase our personalities of our players. So Snoop uh, is like our Drake for, you know, everyone knows Drake from the NBA. You, you did that before though. It was pot, you know, he's sort of set the tone. I, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, you know, and, and then the momentum continues. The LA Kings famously brought Snoop in to call a game, and now he's integrated into our EA NHL 20 video game. Really, Which, by the way, is, again, we talk a lot about tech. You're doing things that are just Snoop's explaining the rules, but then integrating into an esports game that the reach that you're going to get and the effectiveness is, looks very differently. So you're using the tech and the tools available, obviously, to expand um, that viewership and, and hopefully get by. And we see that a lot. Everyone's saying, oh, eSports, but it's not just the game. It's what do you do with the game? Absolutely. And, you know, the game and eSports are really important to us. I think there's going to be a day where we have people that are playing our game who may never actually go to a physical game, right? No, even though it's the best sport to watch live, but still consider themselves fans, right? They still yeah. identify with the players who they are playing in the game. And, you know, there's still opportunities to buy merchandise and, you know, participate in fan discussions and, and really, you know, get that, that passionate rival conversation going within your gaming group, not to mention a broader hockey conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fluid fans, they're open to change, empowered to choose, constantly evolving. We talked a lot at our last leadership board meeting, Heidi, around there's these demographics that we've been discussing, but it's really about behavior. It's about how do you lean into the, this next generation behavior of this consumer. I'm curious about some of the tools that you've worked with, the partnerships that you've leaning into. If these fans are on games, they're never going to physically go to a game. Well, go to where they are. Go to the, the esports game. If, if fans are maybe not physically going to be at an NHL event, but they've got second screens and tablets and phones. Walk us through any recent partnerships. Gameflow could be one that, that you feel highlights this title shift occurring and what the NHL is doing to, to really go to where the fans are. So there's so much happening on the innovation front at the NHL. I feel like that could be a whole uh, additional podcast that we did. <laughs> you mentioned game flow, which visualizes the game, the puck action in the game. We've Within our app, we've got our puck and player tracking, which is rolling out soon. And this is our ability to put a chip in the sweater of the player and a chip in the puck and to throw off incredible data sets that'll mm -hmm. enhance our broadcast experience for fans. It'll enhance our VR experience for fans. It'll help 
fuel, you know, the opportunity for sports betting in states where it's legal, as well as social gaming. And it'll also help us with our coaching and our athlete metrics. So within this puck and player tracking, we can partner with a number of different companies, whether they're data companies, VR companies, AR companies, gambling companies, et cetera, to be able to bring this data to life. And so there's a huge ecosystem of players out there that we're really uh, excited about. You know, it's all early days for us. This research and development that was required to bring puck and player tracking to life in hockey is much more difficult than any other sport, simply because we have different aspects to consider like the speed, the force, and the temperature that happens. So we're so excited that after all these years and all the hard work the teams have done that we're going to bring it to fruition in this upcoming season. I can't wait for that, by the way. Just uh, Dave Lehansky, you know, also on one of our boards, the player puck tracking initiative, again, it's new, it's different. It, you know, isn't the old you remember the lightning streak uh, Fox had, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. The glowing puck, I think. The glowing that. puck, yeah, that's what they call it. I mean, this is like real data, which will allow fans to do things that they've never been able to do. What else? Uh, Game On, I know that's something you guys have done recently with Facebook and trying to create more collaboration and giving more access to these fans. Yeah, that's a personalized uh, delivery of content. Uh, It's a bot that sits within Facebook that you give us a little information and we deliver you highlights and content around your favorite players, etc. That's a new innovation for us. Earlier, you mentioned the power players, but I don't think we had a chance to talk about it, but I would love to just spend a, a couple minutes sharing the story about power players because this is really part of our continual focus on staying relevant to young fans. Mm-hmm. You know, the focus around social media and how we have evolved our voice, creating original content to showcase the personalities of our players, uh, showing those humans over highlight moments, and then innovation through esports and puck and player tracking, AR, VR, etc. But this power players, this is our youth advisory board, and we meet with them on a monthly basis to really understand and get feedback in real time on how we're doing, what we're doing, what they think is interesting in not just when what NHL is doing, but across all sports and media and culture. And it's a kind of a fun story because it ties back to this notion of listening and keeping it personal. But when I first joined the league, I did an interview with uh, Wall Street Journal. And months later, I received a letter, a physical letter in the mail from this girl called Sabrina Solomon. And she said, you know, she was 11 years old. She said, I read your article in the Wall Street Journal and uh, you know, I'm getting out of school. I'm going to have summer break. I'm free. I can work for you. I've got all these ideas about how to you know, market or how to be relevant to young fans. And so obviously we couldn't hire her. So we brought her in to meet everybody and I'll be darned. She came in with a full PowerPoint filled with all kinds of marketing ideas. And we had a big group of people. She presented to the team with great poise. And what was a real aha moment for us was she had a lot of great ideas in there, many of which we were already doing, but they weren't resonating with her. And she is a super fan. She knows every rule in our book by the number, and she still wasn't aware of a lot of the work that we were doing. We need to listen more, and we need to think about how do we take programs that are important to us across the league, and then maybe you know do an optimization and, and a shift in how we communicate and connect and create content around that for the younger generation. So we had 15 
1,500 kids apply. We narrowed it down to 15. I did video interviews with each of them. And now we do monthly calls that are video chats. So it's like the Brady Bunch. And they are fantastic. They each have a superpower. It's incredible how involved and creative and innovative this generation is. You know, they've got their own YouTube channels and their meme creators. And one of them actually collects a lot of data and builds his own brackets and predictive modeling. Uh, they are representative of gender and ethnicity and geography. And we get so many great insights around what they want to do. We have one power player in Canada who's from Pakistan and focused on how hockey was a cultural connector for him as being a new Canadian and how he's used it not only to make friends and understand Canadian and feel part of Canadian culture, but to use hockey to bring his dad into Canadian culture. So there's so many paths to fandom that this is opening up for us. And we're just excited to, to continue listening, learning, and putting innovative ideas into market. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I hear a lot of leaders in the space have, you know, their sample size or one or two, you know, it's usually their kids. You guys have taken the initiative to say, hey, let's get lots of these people from all different backgrounds, 13 to 17 year olds, and really empower them and check in with them and, and listen at the end of the day, which they, I mean, that's the future fan right there. So one other thing you do that you've told me is you'll sit in the stands and not tell people, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Heidi Browning, executive vice president of the NHL, or, you know, you're not going to obviously, you're incognito, but you'll just ask questions to, to fans to learn more about what they see, what they care about. What's one interesting insight you've heard from a fan that you maybe might otherwise not have recognized if you were just putting out surveys? Wow. There's so many wonderful insights around that I gained from the fans. Yeah, I do. It's not, it's not exactly secret shopping because I eventually, you know, let them know, share the story of who I am, but yeah, after the fact, but you know, you're, you're just, you're a fan yourself. You're sitting, you're not way up top, you know, sitting in the rafters with the rest of, you know, maybe the NHL, you're really perusing what people's experiences are like and, and constantly thinking about how to make them better. Absolutely. And, and I love people. So that helps too. Uh, and I love <laughs> to talk. So uh, that also helps. You know, I, I think that the most powerful that I've met so many, so many people, but the most powerful experience for me was actually one of my very first experiences. When I joined the league, I went to a Rangers game and a friend of mine, his daughter got sick, so he couldn't join me for the game. So I went by myself and I sat behind this group that was four Four generations of Rangers fans sitting in front of me and you know we were enjoying the game and they kept looking over their shoulder at me and then they finally turned around and they said why are you here by yourself who goes to hockey by themselves <laughs> We started talking and it was phenomenal. And I, I explained that it was like my first day of school at the NHL and, you know, the whole thing. And we became friendly and they were so lovely. They invited me to Thanksgiving dinner. We've had this whole conversation. I didn't go, but they, you know what I mean? That's just the family orientation, the, the camaraderie that happens and the passion around fans that to me is the thing that I want to bring to everyone, every casual fan. Like if the hockey people are great humans and hockey fans are great humans, our athletes are great humans. And we need more of that in this world, especially now. And so if I can bring that moment to life and carry it out beyond the ice through all these communication channels and build more fans through our fandom in the live games, as well as watching broadcast and following us on digital channels, I think we've had a big win under our belt. I can't top that as a hockey 
player who wants the sport to succeed, grow, evolve, adopt, you know, new technologies, not for technology's sake, but to really connect and build a global community. I can't think of a, a better person to do that. So Heidi Browning, thank you for everything you're doing for hockey, for sport. I'd like other leagues to look in at the NHL and say, wow, we got to copy those guys. They're crushing it. So, so keep up the great work as CMO of the NHL. Before I let you go though, we typically do uh, a segment called four with four, which as you know, is my former number on innovation. And we're going to change it up a little bit today. I want to just broadly ask you about innovation and how you think about it. So Heidi, what does innovation mean to you? To me, innovation means solving a problem that will make a consumer experience better. And it doesn't have to be something new that's never been done before, invented on the planet. Innovation, it can be an optimization or of an existing product or service that adds value or creates value for a fan, for a sponsor, or for an athlete. And we challenge ourselves internally all the time, how can we we innovate? How can we put a twist, a new twist on everything we do? And innovation can be, you know, around how do we use data to inform our marketing strategies? It can be as sophisticated as how do we use technology to enhance the game? Or it can be as simple as how do we think differently about the fan, like the fluid fan, taking away this idea of generational marketing and really focusing on behavioral marketing to help us adopt our strategies. Love it. Innovation is the name of the game. It's that evolution mindset. So I love the way that you're thinking. It doesn't have to be tech. I know this is a sports tech podcast, if you will, and, and we, we focus on the tech that enables that change. It's a myriad of different ways to approach it. So thanks for that insight. One more story with you. Yeah, please. I love it. We love stories yesterday and it's exciting. And I think this is an, an example of innovation too. And it was driven by a seven-year-old girl who also happens to be named Sabrina, who is a hockey player. And she went to her local hockey store to get cards. And she noticed that the hockey cards, the Kings and the Jacks were holding hockey sticks, but the Queen uh, were holding pom-poms. I saw this. I love this story. <laughs> and so she wrote a letter to the NHL and she said, you know what? I don't think this is fair. And we listened and we worked with the card creators and the New York Rangers. And now all the hockey cards are changed. All the Queens are holding hockey sticks. And this is innovation and evolution of our sport. Love it. You're listening and you're making it personal. That young woman said, make this about, you know, everyone and, uh, and you guys responded. So I, I love that story. Yeah. I don't want the pom-pom myself. I want the hockey stick. It's great to see that change is occurring, that we're reaching out to new generations. At the end of the day, I, I talk about this a lot, Heidi, and, and we live it, breathe it. Um, but sport is more than just sport. It's, as you mentioned, it's, it's culture. Um, it's about change. It's about reflecting what's going on in society in general. And to that last example, young people are, are changing. They're, they're more fluid. They, their identities are shifting and their sports teams, leagues have to, to see that and, and evolve. And you guys are doing it. So keep up the great work. I'm excited at you know, what happened last week at the All-Star Game. A lot of change going on there. Women's three on three for the first time. 
yet a new skill happening live and you know a lot of good changes occurring at the at the fringes so keep up the great work thank you you too and we're really excited to be part of your sports innovation lab board and continuing to grow and know uh what's out there from a technology and a fan perspective i can't say this across all my podcasts but if we can evolve the most in hockey i personally the happiest. So uh, I genuinely want you and, and obviously everyone at the NHL to, to continue to succeed. So um, thank, you. thank you for taking the time. You have such a fascinating background, such an interesting take on what this next generation fan and, and what sport, you know, uh, should look like in the future. I couldn't appreciate your time more and excited to, again, continue to work with you on our boards, but um, really interesting insights that you're able to lend to our listeners today. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure and happy to continue chatting. As we evolve, we're going to continue to learn new things and happy to share it with you and your listeners. You're the best. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Angela. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you to Heidi Browning, the Chief Marketing Officer of the NHL, for taking time to discuss her role and the work she does for hockey fans alike all over the world. Keep growing the fan base, keep servicing those fluid fans, Heidi. Love what you're doing and love that you're servicing my favorite sport. One thing I have to highlight is your Power Players Initiative. Fantastic way to connect to a younger, more youthful audience. Really understand what this fan wants. You know, again, there's a lot of top down, but really having that bottom up approach where you you understand what does your base actually care about uh, and your growing base. I know you'll continue to expand the opportunities for players as well to grow their personal brands, engage with these fans. We know that fluid fans love to follow athletes. Unfortunately, they may not be following teams or even leagues anymore. So anything you can do to empower them is fantastic. Thanks again to my producer, Jack Barlow, as well as the entire team at Sports Innovation Lab for what you do to help influence the next generation of fan. You can subscribe to our show if you haven't already on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, just put in Fluid Fan Podcast. Leave me some feedback. We want to know. We love our listeners. We're always trying to figure out what are the kinds of topics and people, guests that you want to hear about that you believe have their finger on the pulse in regards to leadership, technology, innovation in the world of sports, media, and entertainment. So give us some feedback. And if you want to learn more about what we do every day, we get to nerd out, we get to learn, we get to follow and dig into the research in this industry. You, you can see some of our research, whether it's through our Twitter feed at Sports iLab or visiting our website, www.sportsilab.com. A lot of free reports on there. In particular, the latest one we have is the rise of athlete-driven media. Heidi talked a bit about that today, but we've got a whole report talking about how athletes now are gonna be driving a ton of content and fans wanna understand them better. And there's a whole industry behind it that's taking all the, the data coming off of the athlete or the data that they're creating. And that's a report that you can download for free on our, our website. So thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.